From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrin. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, the electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your cabin in the woods. A big how-do to all of you tuning in on one of our affiliate stations across North America and those of you who are streaming us on the YouTube channel, Strange Planet. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes and I thank you for your fine company. And just a reminder, next week, comedian, journalist, television pioneer, Emmy Award winner, John Barber will be live in studio. Ali Siadatan stays with us this hour as we discuss the gods of the Bible, and we will uh, make the phone lines available to you for questions and comments. So, Zeus and Apollo and the Greek pantheon and these gods and how they were, in fact, the fallen angels, and they were given dominion over the world, except for Israel. And God sort of carved that out and said, no, this is mine, hands off. But before we proceed, though, I want to talk about some of the other gods that are named and uh, one is Baal, B-A-A-L. He was uh, a god that was worshipped in, in Canaan. And we've sort of seen his name resurface recently because there is something called the Arch of Baal. And it's been kind of on a worldwide tour uh, the last three, four years. What's going on there, Ali? Um, so Baal, Baal, it was kind of an honorific uh, title. It means owner or lord. And in the Bible, the plural is used for all of these beings. They're called the Balim, uh, which means the lords. So it, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a title um, of these beings, right? It's, it's not necessarily uh, a specific one. So if it says, for instance, in a passage, that these guys were worshipping Baal, it would be like saying in English, these guys were worshipping the gods. And these guys, I guess, are idols because um, the worship of the creature over the worship of the creator is the definition of idol worship, according to Paul in his letter to the Romans. So in that sense, it is a re-emergence, uh, a reassertion of these beings. However, we have been entangled with them all through history, they have they have come uh, through many faces. Uh, they have come through, uh, you know, the church. Even they have taken, you know, the worship of saints. The um, who are these guys uh, that that people are praying to? The Queen of Heaven, the Balim, false religions. I mean, these, they come in many, many, many ways. So it's a re- reemergence of of the reassertion of their power in an age where uh, I would say that we're no longer in a Judeo-Christian culture. We are kind of reverting back to an open form of polytheism in our culture. Um, no longer is the God of the Bible seen as like, you know, the supreme form of spirituality in this culture. And so they're becoming more and more open. And I think the Bible talks about an age uh, of darkness where... And it's, the Antichrist, as you were saying, doesn't come to a world that doesn't know God. It comes to a world that has forgotten God. And that is why it can be deceived. That's why it can be seduced. And I think that these are the signs of the times, if you will. So the the gods of the, the Old Testament, the Bible, they sort of yeah. went underground. 
Now we dismiss yeah. them as myth and legend, but you're saying they're in, in some cases they are reasserting themselves within the Christian narrative? They have always, they, they, re, they in, injected themselves into the Christian narrative early on. Um, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, says that he forbids the worship of angels, and you think, why would that be spoken? Why would he even have to say to the Colossians, by the way, you know, don't worship these, you know, uh, these angels. Um, well, obviously there was a problem. And so, um, in the post-secular age, which is begins in the age of enlightenment, where a new understanding of reality is going to be propagated through the republics and through the school systems that are no longer dependent on the church for a world view, uh, an alternative worldview is created. We're no longer in the heavens and on the earth. We're no longer visited by the host of the heavens. Uh, and we ourselves are no longer descendants of this heavenly realm. We are just uh, monkeys. And we can only believe what we see. And we can rely on these bodies of knowledge that were handed down by these guys, but they're rebranded as science. And then they're kind of juxtaposed in opposition to faith. So, so we have kind of a rethinking of reality. And in this rethinking of reality, one of the ways that these guys uh, appear to us now is as UFOs. So we're suddenly seeing something that has been here from the dawn of history, from the very genesis, but it appears as though they just arrived. It's like, wow, what's, what's that in the sky? What are those lights? Right? We don't, we don't connect the dots. That, you know, these guys have been here and, and they've always had these chariots, whatever they are, I don't know exactly, but it's real. And, and, and so we, that's another way they're asserting themselves. And then there is also false religions. Um, uh, you know, there's polytheistic religions that continue to thrive. Uh, and then there's the secret societies. And, um, secret societies, basically, when the Holy Spirit pour, is poured over the nations, the worship of these beings goes underground. And then we see them re-emerge inside of these secret societies that are full of their symbols and their theology. For instance, the Masons you know, do believe that Satan is the good guy um, and that God was the bad guy. You know, the, Satan wanted to give knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. He wanted to give a tree of knowledge. He wanted to empower mankind. Yet God is the one that wanted to keep man you know, weak. That's, that's the narrative that, that unfolds. That's what, he's a being of light. I mean, he's called a shining one. He wanted to shine. So, um, these organizations in the secular age, um, are disguised in different bodies of the United Nations. Uh, I mean, all the universities, all the Ivy League universities have these special societies that are off limits. And there's all kinds of knowledge, you know, taught in these societies. Many of the graduates in the Skull and Bones is very famous uh, from Yale. These guys, you know, end up in, in 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 the legislature of the United States in the seat of presidency, and their ideas, even the scientists, you know, whether it's Galileo, whether it's Isaac Newton, all of these guys actually were part of these societies, and knowledge and ideas came into their minds that shaped the world as we know it and redefined the human narrative in opposition to the biblical story. I was handed down by God. And so there are influences all over the place, I'd say. But but doesn't that almost make 
Christianity's sound anti-science, that God didn't want us to have knowledge and only because of the, the, the lesser gods, you know, were we able to domesticate plants and animal, animals? Were we able to develop mathematics? It, it sounds like Christianity is anti-progress. Um, man uh, and woman, your humanity, was created with the, with the ability to have all kinds of bodies of knowledge. We see that Cain built a city, which means that he understood architecture, he understood how to measure things, geometria. Um, and we see that the, they were given plants that they could actually cultivate um, and from the beginning. The fact that some of these uh, Mesopotamian tablets assign the giving of certain things to these beings, first of all, that may not be true, meaning that sometimes they take for themselves the deeds of God. They assign it to themselves. So you got to kind of... You know, their existence was real, but not everything about what is recorded about them, some of it was propaganda, if you will. Second of all, um, there was a connection between them and God, meaning that, you know, as you were saying, that these beings were given dominion and they were given, they were giving things to the nations they were ruling, but perhaps at the beginning, the idea was that they were doing this on behalf of God. In the book of Enoch, for instance, when all of these beings are arrested, um, and then their offsprings are killed, uh, God says to the angels, but leave mankind the knowledge you know, that, that they have received. Um, and we see that but Noah and his children uh, restart civilization, and they have uh, bricks and mortar, and, and, and they can build things. So man has always been knowledgeable, and God's intention is to really um, cultivate humanity to its highest potential, but first of all, we have to receive atonement, we have to receive a new body, we have to enter the presence of God, and our education will continue. We are made uh, to be, it seems, according to this story, at the very height of the created order, ruling even angels in due time. So I don't think God's intention is to hold us back at all. I think God's intention is to teach us uh, His way of understanding things at a time that suits Him. We are His children uh, these guys had an agenda. They wanted to use us for their own agenda. It's a different thing altogether. So if the fallen angels are behind the the modern-day UFO phenomenon, um, are, these, are these physical craft and physical uh, beings? Uh, and why would they need these chariots if they are... Uh, aren't, aren't the fallen angels sort of omniscient and... Uh, uh, and, and essentially spiritual beings? Well, that's an interesting question because there's a way that we have imagined these beings throughout you know, church history, and then we have the paintings of the Renaissance artists that have shaped our thinking. Um, but once I actually started to look into this topic in the middle of the 1990s, I discovered two things. One, that the Bible spoke of these beings in a very different way than the, than the way the culture, that our culture kind of imagined them. Two, that throughout the history of Christianity, let's say, as far as the West is concerned, um, people hadn't really thought too deeply about these parts of the Bible. These parts of the Bible were not stuff that people really focused on. So actually, there was a very uh, simplistic ideas about these things. When you actually looked at the Bible and you looked at the history, 
that is handed down by the nations that records these beings and their interactions, you realize, first of all, that uh, they are scientists, that they are physical beings, that they are uh, people who are beings that understand the laws of the created order more than we do. That's what makes them more advanced, so to speak. And that we are of the world of God and angels, and that from the beginning, you look into the story of Genesis, there's metallurgy mentioned at the very beginning, like the sons of Cain, uh, music, tent dwelling, that humanity, even in its, in its original uh, uh, creation that was very close to God and angels, already was trafficking in the kinds of lifestyle that is born of bodies of knowledge. So you realize that, wait a second, the world of God and angels and humanity is a part of that world, is a world that is made of uh, beings who understand God's created order, the laws of physics, um, and, and its secrets and insights, like the breaking of the atom or the sending of shuttles into the heavens, and who can actually operate through them. That this is more the way the whole story has always been. These guys have always been this type of a being. This is how angels have always been. We have imagined them in our in our minds in in a different way and handed that into the culture. And now we come across the facts and then. There's a discrepancy between the way we had imagined them and the way they've always been. So this is more like an upgrade of, of knowledge. Now we're waking up and realizing, wow, these guys use chariots, even God. It says that God will return in his chariots or vehicles. It says that. Now, we don't want to turn it into the USS Enterprise. We don't know exactly how these things operate, uh, where they come from, what their capabilities, but definitely the real things that carry other beings. I mean, the, the word in Hebrew is rikab or merkava, which essentially means something that carries. You know, like the donkey that carried the Son of God, and there are also a cloud into which he ascended that carried him into to, to, to the Ancient of Days, to God himself. So, there's definitely something real, but the fact that we can actually break the atom, or that we can, you know, send shuttles into space, these are not simple things. These are deep, deep mysteries and a profound understanding of the created order. The fact that we can digest this knowledge and, and move through it and that these guys have knowledge like this and they can actually give some to us and add to us and we can converse with them and all that stuff. This shows how advanced we really are, you know, as far as the creation is concerned. So then angels are physical beings. They're not spiritual beings. Yes, there are angels that are physical beings. There are also beings of spirit that exist. There is the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim, which are the demons. There is also spirits in the council of God, because when uh, in the book of Kings, when God asks the question, there's a spirit that says, I will go and be a lying spirit in the mouths of the prophets. And so we see that, that there, there are also beings of, of physical nature. Uh, now, the church has always imagined that these beings take a physical form when they interact with us, but I have to say that is beyond the scope of the recorded scripture. That's an assumption. Uh, they may be physical all along. I mean, when the Messiah came back from the dead, he made a point. He said, come and touch my wounds and see that I have flesh and bone. It says that in the Gospel of Luke, for instance, that I am not a ghost. And then he asked to be given food to eat. So I would say if the physical body is good enough for the resurrected you know, son of God, the representative of God in the human world, the manifestation of God in the human world, 
well, why would angels not also have bodies? And and if the sons of God, you know, have relations with us, well, perhaps because them and us, we have a common origin, God. And so perhaps even God has given something of his own physical nature to us. Uh, perhaps genes were handed down. I, I don't have any problem because I don't I don't adhere to this. It's, it's a long story, but basically uh, early on through the influence of Gnosticism and, and one teacher in particular, Origen, who taught Augustine, and then things that happened in the Middle Ages, gradually Western Christianity became very focused on a spiritualized view of reality. And it kind of went away from the Hebraic view of the of, of of physical spirituality, which is what we read in the Bible. And so now we're kind of a little bit um, struggling with with the way we have imagined things and the way things are. And we're going, well, how come? The answer is, we imagined it wrong. That phys- the physical world um, is can very much be the setting of the tale of the Bible. It is not a simplistic place we find ourselves in. That doesn't mean there's not beings of light and there's not beings of spirit and who knows how vast the created order is and how complex, I don't know. But definitely angels can be physical and be physical all the time, not just take a shape to be, you know, interact with us. This may be the actual shape they always have. Like the angel who sat on the tomb of Christ after he rolled it. Why would the Bible, you know, indicate that detail that he sat on the tomb? Well, it shows that he was physical. Right. Or the angels came to Sodom and Gomorrah, and and people wanted to have sexual relations with them, because they were used to having sexual relations with angels. Sodom was one of the places in the post-flood world where this whole phenomenon of of the Nephilim was reemerging, and so they they had physical form and 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 they were seductive and they were attractive. There are angels that go and destroy the Assyrian army. There uh, there, there are angels, you know. Uh, um, at sitting in the tomb of, of Christ, uh, it says in the book of Hebrews, some have entertained angels unawares. So there's an ample evidence in the Bible that shows angels as physical beings. It is the assumption of the church that these guys took that shape just for a moment to interact with us. So essentially that's something that Christian thinkers have added to the Bible. They've just, and, and to the point where that's become part of our thinking naturally. But actually, it's not in the text. The text doesn't say that this guy just took this shape to come and talk to this guy. It presents the guy as physical, end of story. So until proven otherwise, I have no reason to believe that that angel is not always physical. You know, even even Jesus is resurrected in a physical body, and he's a very you know, advanced, divine, angelic being, you right. know? We've got so. about 90 seconds here to the break, but let me just ask you, getting back to the, the these craft, these UFOs, uh, if they are being, if the if they're being piloted, essentially, by uh, fallen angels, where are they coming from? Are, are they, are they interdimensional? Where are they, where are they I coming? don't know. That's the thing. I don't, I don't know exactly the makeup of the creator order. I don't even know how my car is put together. So, but I can tell you that you know they're coming. It's very important to understand that even though the majority of the UFO phenomenon is fallen angelic, but I believe that even the angels of God also use these vehicles. This is a cosmic tale. Even you look in the Book of Enoch, the word "watcher" is used for the bad guys and for the good guys that are mentioned in that book. Raphael and other angels—they're also called the watchers. Right. So, so the the both sides of the fence have. That's why. The, the Michael and Gabriel fight the Prince of Persia and Greece because they have 
similar capabilities. That's why a fight is possible. They all use these vehicles, and so does God. It says that in Isaiah 66, verse 15, I think. Well, it's interesting because I remember uh, some footage. We're going into a break here, but a foot, footage uh, from the International Space Station, which appeared to show uh, yes. these, these uh, two crafts sort of almost in a dogfight, and maybe those were angels and demons fighting it out. Yes, we'll com- we put that, we put that in our documentary from Excellent. the Columbia all right, we'll talk about that when we come back. Ali Siadatan, Gods of the Old Testament. Stay with us in your phone calls coming up. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Just before the break, Ali, we were talking about a piece of uh, video that appears in your documentary as well. And this was taken from the International Space Station. It showed two UFOs that seemed to be engaged in kind of a cosmic or intergalactic dogfight. Uh, and um, and, and it, it looks all the world like, well, in, in the context that you're laying out, angel, an angel and a demon or not a demon, but a fallen angel uh, piloted craft, fighting it out. So this is going on in the heavens right now as we speak. Yeah, and the word heavens, by the way, in the Bible refers to anything three inches off the ground all the way to into outer space. Uh, all of that is heavens. Heavens means air, uh, and the area where the sun and moon and stars are, all of that is heavens. Shemaim in Hebrew, Uranus in Greek. And earth is the solid thing we stand on. So if you say there's a battle in the heavens, um, I know with because of our Christian spiritualized way of thinking, we assume like this other place. But in the biblical text, it means like the sky. In, in fact, if you look at the Bible and says the birds that you know fly in mid heaven, well, it, we know the birds fly in the sky because that's what the word heavens means in the Bible. Anything three inches off the floor, all the way into the temple at the heart of time and space. All of it is called heavens. And then there's the earth, which is the rock upon which we stand. So these guys could be fighting in the heavens, which means in the sky, which means where the sun and the moon are, which means maybe another dimension. I don't know, but I can only go as far as I can see, right? Right. Uh, let's take a call. Tony's in Brampton. Great to be on the show. A little bit nervous, but uh, here goes. Ever since the secularism and the elites have taken over our educational system, and we know who they worship, and that's probably Zeus and Satan himself. And he is the father of lies. And unfortunately, as a result of that, our children are all being taught lies, everything from evolution to climate change to even the Apollo missions, because really, did they actually go to the moon? That's a big question. Another big concern that I do also have is actually the name of our Savior himself. I mean, a man has changed his name from Yeshua to Jesus Christ to anglicize the Hebrew name. But if you were going to anglicize it, wouldn't it probably be more proper to have gone to Joshua? And I'm wondering whether maybe the name Jesus sounds a form of uh, maybe Zeus worship. I'm just going to leave it at that. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I never thought of that. Great questions, Tony. Well, let's get Ali in here. Uh, The anglicized version of Yeshua, shouldn't it be Joshua? Well, that's a good question. So the way I understand it is that... um, the Greeks didn't like to have A at the end of masculine names. Like in Italian, you have 
never an A at the end of the masculine name. So they dropped the A. So Yeshua, which means that, you know, God saves, uh, becomes Yeshu. But they didn't have the word Shu, so they went with Su. So it became, you know, Yesu. And then the, in Latin, they, instead of Ye, they use J. Like in some Spanish countries, you hear Yo. Uh, in some Spanish countries, you hear Jo. So Yeshua became Yeshu. Yesu, and then the Ye became J and became Jesu. So it's basically it's the Greek way of pronouncing a Hebrew word. Okay. Uh, when when you say Jesus, you're still actually saying Yeshua, but you're just pronouncing it in in Greek okay. pronunciation. But the word hasn't actually changed. Okay. It just my concern is whenever man gets his his hands on anything, I'm a little bit concerned by that. And if God himself well, yes. said that his son's name is Yeshua, and then it's not God that changes it to Jesus. That's my only concern. But thank you for the answer. Great question, Tony. Thank you for checking in. Getting back yes. to the UFO uh, and the alien abduction phenomenon, I want to talk about that for right. a moment. Because some people who are abducted or who have, let's say, contact, they report you know, something very uplifting and positive, and then others, it's a very negative contact. So explain that in the context of the fallen angels. The heart of the UFO phenomenon is the abduction phenomenon, and the heart of the abduction phenomenon is the creation of hybrids, and and now their infiltration into human culture. It appears, again, as though this is just a modern phenomenon, but the creation of hybrids is as old as history itself. We have the age before the flood where, you know, some very important hybrids, Gilgamesh, for instance, he's mentioned in the Book of Giants, and he's also mentioned in the Tale of Gilgamesh, um, and the other ones as well. The Greeks called them the Titans. Um, everyone, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, everyone talked about them. And so this is an ancient phenomenon, and the Bible then sheds light as to what's really going on uh, the sons of God, which are, you know, an idiom for fallen angels, have sexual relations with the daughters of Adam, and some of these uh, women welcomed this, meaning that they saw it as a, as a way of climbing the hierarchy. Instead of, you know, uh, uh, having relations with humans, they were having relations with these angels. So this was a form of promotion. There was an ambition uh, also in the part of some of the women, and we see that in the abduction phenomenon today where some women see it as a deep intrusion, and men as well, and they hate it. And that's why they call themselves abductees. But others have come to see this as a sign of their chosenness, that they are being chosen to usher in the next humanity, the new race. And they call themselves contactees, because they don't like the term abductees. They're like, you know, we welcome this. So that is also a recurring theme, that some uh, women actually think this is a wonderful thing and this is this has been in the past and this is also happening today so that's the pattern but it is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy spoken by daniel the prophet um in 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 uh, daniel chapter 2 there's the dream of king nebuchadnezzar the gentile world powers are mentioned and the very end it says and when you swear you saw iron mixed with clay they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men but they shall not cleave one to another and so it talks about the mingling of these seeds with the seed of men in the context of the final empire and at the very end of it. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom 
which shall never be destroyed. And so I think that there's going to be uh, hybrids at the very helm of the final world empire taken from ten powers, and we know that three of them are removed uh, to make room for you know the little horn, the one who is the leader of them all. So there'll be one guy uh, and seven followers, and these guys will be the ones that declare war against God and his angels. And there are many passages that talk about how they will speak boldly about these heavenly matters. And you think, why would they do that in our secular age? Well, once you kind of look at it from the point of view of an alien invasion, that the second coming may be sold that way, um, and that these guys are our helpers, they're going to help us with the environment. I mean, uh, you look at the alien abduction phenomenon, there's a lot of talk about the environment decades ago, before the environment became so important, such a hot topic issue, where these guys say to the abductees, there's going to be environmental disasters, and we're going to be here to help you. You look at that very famous story that Johnny Mac from Harvard went to Africa, when this school in Africa had this massive alien sightings, all these kids. Right, in, in Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, in, Zimbabwe, in the Zimbabwe. 90s. Yeah. And he goes there, and he's talking to one of the kids, and she's going on this whole environmental rant, and he says to her, did you have these ideas before? And she says, no, one of these beings looked into my eyes, and all these ideas poured into my head. And so you, I, I, I've been following this as a researcher that, wow, I think the environmental issue is going to be a hot topic. And because these beings are pushing for it, they have an agenda to utilize it as a global threat, and they're going to offer solutions that endear themselves to us. And I have seen this thing grow and grow and grow and grow, and there was a march, I think, yesterday or today, of all these youth around the world. And But their undertow, the hidden undertow, is this influence in this agenda so I think they're going to uh, position themselves as the saviors of mankind and present the second coming of the Lord as an alien invasion. And this is how uh, they're going to you know, drag the world into war uh, with these beings, with women, with God and his angels. And yes, I think that this prophecy in Daniel is suggesting that the helm of this final structure are these hybrids. Is it possible, though, that some people who are having, let's say, positive contact experiences are not dealing with fallen angels, they're actually dealing with angels. Well, there's a kind of a modus operandi in the Bible. Well, the angels are the servants of God, and the what is happening in this phenomenon where the people are being abducted, hybrids are being created and all that stuff, this is definitely fits with the narrative of the fallen angels in the Bible. They're creating these um, uh, aberrations, which are always destroyed in the Bible, they're killed, you know, left and right and center, whether it's the battles with Abraham, whether it's the battles with the sons of Israel, whether it's the flood, whether it's David killing Goliath, and whether it's, you know, the judgment of the second coming. So these beings are not to exist. When people have actual contacts with angels, first of all, we are told that we should test every spirit that comes to us and ask them, who do you believe Jesus is? And, and if they confess him as their king and, and God is sovereign over them, that's an important sign. And then the way they interact with us and the knowledge they bring to us is in harmony with the words of God. And for instance, they never want to be worshipped. Each time a character in the Bible you know, is compelled to worship on these angels, the angel says, you know, don't worship me, worship God, because I'm just like a creature like you. So there's a testing process and understanding of the narrative in order to identify you know, the behavior. I would say that most of this phenomenon is fallen angelic. If, if 
some of these UFOs are coming and, and for instance, there might be Michael and his angels holding the fort until God commands them to stand down around Israel, which, you know, has a purpose in history and Satan has been working very hard, starting with the Holocaust and all that, to stop it from unfolding because it is the end of his reign and the reign of these beings and the nations. Uh, it's heralded by the return of Israel to this land. And so, um, Michael and his angels might be here and they may be holding the fort down. Um, and, and other angels may have, you know, purposes. Like, for instance, one of the people I interviewed, Barry Downing, he says that, you know, angels were appearing over the Soviet Union and over America, uh, turning uh, nuclear silos on and off to the point where both empires felt that they needed to talk to each other. There may be a threat bigger than them. And that's how they came up with even this, you know, red phone. So they, you know, shepherded the world towards peace while the enemy was perhaps shepherding it towards destruction. Got to jump in here. We'll take a time out, come back, get to some more calls, more questions about God's In the Bible with Ali Siadatan. Think Again Productions. Thinkagainproductions.com, the website. Stand by. From Yeti to Nessie, pyramids to pandemics, all is revealed on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And if you like this program, I think you'll enjoy my podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. And new episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can listen and subscribe at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Conspiracy Unlimited podcast.com. Ali Siadatan stays with us for a, a spell yet as we continue to delve into uh, gods in the Bible. Uh, and uh, now we're talking about the, the modern day UFO phenomenon. It's interesting, we, we were talking about the, 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 the importance of, um, uh, of Israel in history. And uh, perhaps then no coincidence that the modern day UFO phenomena really began about Almost exactly the same time as the rebirth of the, the modern of modern day Israel, 1947-48. Yes, absolutely. That's a very good observation. Starting in 1947-48 with Kenneth Arnold, it appeared as though UFOs had arrived. It was called the UFO flaps, where different parts of the world began to experience mass UFO sightings, um, and so it appeared to the consciousness that these guys had just arrived. I had a UFO sighting in the deserts of Iran, uh, and very, very close. And the one that I saw was went into the ground rather than, than, you know, come out of it and reminded me of the words of the prophet Daniel about the prince of Persia, um, who was at war, uh, with this angel who had come from heaven to bring a message to Daniel of scriptural importance. And I thought, wow, have these guys just arrived? Or have they been here for a very long time and they're just reinventing themselves? And yes, this massive uh, phenomenon coincides uh, with the return of Israel to the land. As God moves history forward according to his announced plans, the other side, you know, counters it with its own moves. And that's, I think they're preparing, they realize this is it and they're preparing for the second coming. Uh, getting back to this, what's been known as the alien 
human hybrid program, people like Dr. David Jacobs, who you've interviewed a number of times, as have I. Uh, he was, I believe he was part of this Roper poll that was conducted in 1991, I think Bud Hopkins was, was part of that, uh, yeah. maybe John Mack. And they sent out this massive questionnaire uh, and trying to establish you know, how many people may have been abducted by, by aliens. And I think right. the number they came up with it, just in the United States, was 4 million. Uh, so if 4 million individuals were part of an alien abduction program or an, or an alien-human hybrid program, um, going back to 1991, I mean, one has to wonder, and this is, this is a worldwide phenomenon, we are told, uh, how many of us might in fact have, well, some might call it alien uh, DNA or alien blood, how many of or or fallen angel blood? I mean, how many of us is it possible? Well, I think that that the um, the uh, parable of Jesus concerning the wheat and tares. He says that God planted His seed in the garden, and while He was sleeping, whatever that means, it may have been the day of rest, the seventh day. Um, the enemy came and planted His seed in the garden. And this was the origin of tares. And in Hebrew, you know, tares were like, you know, genetically modified wheat. Basically, they, they look a lot like wheat. And it says that the wheat and tares grow, intertwine with each other until the end of the age where the tares are finally thrown out and the wheat are collected. And this gives us the impression that this phenomenon begins early on and goes all the way to the end of the age, which is uh, the second coming, and it's very much uh, infiltrated into the human world to the point where I think the resurrected body of the Messiah is about dealing with this phenomenon. We need a new body altogether. That is how deep the infiltration is. The wheat and tares are intertwined. Uh, the angels say, well, we'll take the tares out, and God says, well, if you do that, you also take my wheat out. Wait until the end of the age. So it, it's as though maybe, for instance, you know, a set of genes that you inherit are, are wheat, but you know, maybe your grandfather had, had more tear genes. And so you were in his genes. If he was plucked out, so would you be. So it's hard to tell, but it does suggest that the infiltration is deep and the resurrection of the Messiah is, is to counter this, is uh, the way that his atonement is to is to undo the the curse of death and bring life back in. All right, we've got to take and, a time out, Ali. We'll uh, we'll get back to that point on the other side. Ali Seattle, Think Again Productions. God's in the Bible. Don't go away. is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrant. Welcome back. Strangeplanet.ca, that's the website. And you can just click on the Conspiracy Show button at the bottom of the page. That'll take you uh, to the radio page. And you can learn all about the program there and upcoming guests and so forth. Ali Siadatan stays with us. Uh, he has been with us for the duration. We appreciate that, Ali. How, how are you holding up, by the way? <laughs> Oh, pretty good, pretty good. I think I just went through a, I woke up spur. I don't know, maybe it's the coffee I had. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you hanging in there for the full uh, for the duration. Uh, so I, I wanted to get back to the um, the wheats and the tares, which is the uh, you know the, the 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 parable in the Bible, which which you say points to this this Phenomenal. fallen angel human hybrid program, or what we call the alien human hybrid program. Um, it it does sound eerily familiar to just before the flood when. When uh, you know Noah were the only pure blood left, pure blood family left, Noah and his family. So is that what right. we're, we're talking about here? That the the, the, the human yes. family has become so corrupted with fallen angel blood that instead of a flood this time, it's going to be the second coming to fix everything. Yes, the, the, exactly. the The, the Bible um, has lots of ways it records the the what God's going to do. For instance, when Abraham is brought to this land, he's told, okay, your uh, children will inherit the land and these tribes will be judged. But those tribes that are mentioned are pretty much all of them, mo- you know, nearly all, 90% of them, they're all Nephilim tribes. And when they, they finally come to take that land several hundred years after Abraham, they go into the land uh, and they come out and they say, oh, it's filled with giants, with Nephilim. That's what, it, that's the word they use. And, and they're the, the sons of Anak, the Anakim, the Raphaim, the Zanzumim, all of these tribes that are not mentioned in the table of nations, they have no ancestry. And then the land is taken from them and given to the children uh, of God. And so I think this is kind of a, a, a small sample of what is going to happen on the scale of the earth as a whole, that this planet will be reserved for the sons of God and this will be removed from it and these tears that have now spread into the human family will be removed, and 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 those who have come to the Lord and who are His will be given a new body uh, and will continue in in that new form. But if I have fallen, let's say somewhat one of my ancestors was part of this fallen angel human hybrid program, and I have fallen angel blood in me, does that mean that I can't be that I am beyond salvation? Okay, Am let I me give you, no. Uh, uh, let's let's look at the story of Goliath. Goliath had four brothers, and they were hired by various human tribes to be champions. This is something we have written records of it from the Middle East. These guys, Goliath, who was a descendant of the giants, it says, and his four brothers, well, they were also having sexual relations with other human females and creating babies, who were further diluted down. You know. There was like the original guys who were very much clearly, you know, Nephilim, like Gilgamesh. And, but they had relations with humans. And over time, um, it spread into the human genome. Um, it, it's to the point where we all may be somehow infected. Um, but it doesn't mean that who we really are inside, uh, the children of the one that was made in the image of God, that that has erased. It just means that there's something else in us. Uh, that, that's why there's a battle in us. It's just not the knowledge of good and evil. There's more that has corrupted us. And that's what the resurrection uh, is about. A new body is offered, is exemplified, is lifted up, glorified, saying you too can receive this and, and, and you know be rid of this and be made whole again. And so it, it's, it's not that they, he was part of the program, but long ago, throughout the centuries, as these guys kept, you know, connecting with us, like you look at the birth of the Greek world, 
there are four tribes that are at the basis of the Greek uh, culture. The most famous is Javan or Ion. That's you know the Ionians uh, that are mentioned in the Bible um, as being the sons uh, of Japhet. And each time you hear the word Greek or Greece in the Bible, it's actually the translation of Javan, that family. But there was another one called the Dorians. And the Dorians, one of the main tribes, they were known for having inside of them a line of kings that went back to Hercules, who was the son of Zeus. And so the idea is that these guys have been spreading their seeds into the human world, and as the humanity has multiplied and grown, has so has this infiltration that has carried. It's not just that you know your ancestor was part of a program, it's just that the connection between the sons of God and their offsprings has been a part of the human heartbeat, but the part of the human history, and it's really well documented actually once you look into it and once you realize it's not myth. So the contamination is deep and wide. So what is the end game? Are they trying to is is uh, are the fallen angels trying to raise an army? I think that the end game is to incorporate the one who was made in the image of God and who had a destiny, and I think the enemy saw him as competition. The idea is to incorporate that very being, uh, because he's cast out, and he's now, in the sense, in the same side as these guys who are also cast out, is to incorporate them into the world of these fallen angels by creating um, hybrids of themselves, of their own very important families. They have lords themselves, and our genes to create these beings that, in a way, it's like a marriage. It's like a wedding. It brings two different beings, the Adamic race and their bloodlines, together into these new households, which are a representative both of our race and of theirs, and to gradually make this the new humanity, the one that was made in the image of God no more, but the one that, that has been infiltrated by the imagers of these fallen angels, is to create a new new race and to assimilate this new race into the great rebellion. Um, it's a very it's a big affront. It's saying you know this guy was tricked. He made a bad uh, decision. He was cast out. He belongs to me now. I have dominion over these people. I'm going to infiltrate them with our households, with our bloodlines. I'm going to place my king over them, and they're going to worship me as their god. And we're going to continue this rebellion all the way into the courts of heaven, God forbid. I think that is the general gist of it. It's not just an army. It is a complete takeover of the race and the creation of a new one. Uh, and very quickly, we're almost out of time here, but bringing it back to the UFO phenomenon. Uh, yeah. The U.S. Navy recently admitted that the those those uh, UFO videos that were attached to um, the uh, a fighter group off of San Diego... Um, those are real. They, they they weren't intended to be released. They're real. It seems like disclosure is ramping up. What does that mean f- in terms of prophecy very quickly? I think that we're headed towards a deception where these fallen angels are reinventing themselves as modern-day gods or UFOs. There's going to be some crises. They may solve it. They may help us. It says that the Antichrist does lying signs and wonders and he makes fire come from the sky. So I think that, you know, he will show that he's in command, that these beings respond to him, and ultimately uh, the end goal is to make God and his angels uh, appear as invading 
hostile aliens and to gather the world to war against them in the fields of Armageddon as prophesied uh, in the Bible. Ali, outstanding job. Thank you again. Uh, people can go to thinkagainproductions.com to watch the uh, documentary and to subscribe to your newsletter. And also the, the, uh, the YouTube channel is called what? Think Again Productions. Think Again Productions. All if right. You just double click on the video on the website, it'll take you to the YouTube channel. Ali, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Richard. All right. Thank you. Thanks to uh, Owen Wolf, Ryan White. Back next week with a brand new show, John Barber. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak of the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the rooftops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. <laughs>